0: You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. Psalmist, they actually are, are creative people, writing some beautiful music, writing some expressive uh, you know, words and stuff that really just enhance who God's character is. But this is really cool. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are impressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Already, the psalmist is clarifying that God is forgiving; that He's healer. He's a healer. He redeems you; that He loves you. He's gracious. He's righteous. He's justice, uh, merciful, slow in anger. Like the, the the psalmist looked around their world and they they pulled things that they saw around them and then described them in Psalms. I mean these these guys had such a, an amazing relationship and such an inspiration from who God is that they just poured this out. They couldn't but resist express it through words. And so as a as a worshiper who walks through the life, a daily life, I know that God wants to reveal himself. He doesn't play hide and seek. He's not where's Wally and you have to spend ages trying to find him. He just literally stands in front of you and says, hey, here I am. No need to look hard. And the thing that I do is, and this is the way I I sort of perceive it, is that God leaves his imprint everywhere. That God is a creator, an artist who creates work. Sorry, I'm going to sniff. I nearly got so distracted right then. God is a creator, and every artist who creates leaves their blueprint behind. They leave a part of their DNA as evidence of their creation. Now, I've got I've got six artists represented on this little slide here, and I don't have to know the name of the artist to identify the artwork. I mean, I look at it and go, I know exactly who the first artist is based on the style, the coloring, the content, uh, even. The year in which they were painted, because I'm so obsessed by those artists who created work that I've researched and, and immersed myself fully in them that I can identify the work. Does that make sense? Who I didn't tell Elizabeth I was going to shout them a coffee if someone could tell who they are, but there's no way you're going to get number three. I mean, I'm so sorry. Do you want me to tell you who they are? Who's interested? Anyone? Any nerds? All right, finally. The first one is Vermeer. You've probably seen the. Uh, this painting, the woman with the pearl earring. All right. The next one is Sergeant, singer Sergeant. All right. Go nerd and look him up. He's so cool. The next one is a guy that I got inspired with. I draw portraits uh, and I do graphic portraits. If you're if you're keen, like I'm always keen to show someone, but I feel embarrassed showing it when I'm preaching. But this guy is Paul Corley. He's an American artist, so is Sergeant, by the way. And he uh, created the most amazing artwork using just graphite. And uh, his work is seen on many stamps, particularly on the first landing of the moon. So we're talking about the 60s, uh, 1860s, Red? Bull, do you remember that? No. Um, there's also Klimt. He's also a fantastic artist. Trade carefully if you're Googling him. Uh, not all these guys are Christians. And as a result, the expression of their uh, desires come out quite dramatically and graphically but I like his work here. Uh, this one is Bouguereau. Now, there's a French way of saying it. I'm not French. His work is makes me want to cry. And uh, the last one is Waterhouse. Okay, there's the nerd. So these guys actually showcase their work. They, they have a blueprint that helps me identify who they are. God has a blueprint. He leaves his mark, his DNA, in the world. He created the world. No matter what we contribute to that creation, we can only use the resources that He's already created. So it's just a matter of finding what they are, recognizing what they are. And there's a word that I also want to introduce to you called sillage. Sillage is a French word that is used to describe the wake that a boat makes as it moves through the water. You know, that sort of pattern, that sort of, it's a better visual. But in cologne or perfumery, it's actually the lingering scent, the, the veil of scent that someone leaves or trails behind them as they walk past. Do you know that kind of cloud of, I, I smelled them all past? Now, I'm, I'm a bit of a nut on cologne, and I don't tell my wife how much they cost. I know some people say cologne isn't an expensive one, 40 bucks. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can count the dollars on some of the... It's, it's just a stupid thing, but I love the artwork. But I love cologne that leaves a sillage uh, a sort of... Did you smell me as I walked past? Can, did you, Evan? Thanks so much, man. It means so much to me. God leaves a sillage. He leaves a trail, a scent, throughout our day. And it's only... It's just an essence. It's just a, a, a taste of the real thing. And what I do is I look for... God's siege I'll look for his trace throughout my day. The things that I recognize God in and celebrate him in are some strange things, but generally some of them you'd recognize. For example, these. I want you to, I want you to visualize these things or visualize in the way that you sense these things. So uh, I'll look out for beautiful sunsets. I'll listen for the sound of a wave. I'll listen for the rain on a tin roof. The smell of a rose. The sound of children giggling. Meeting someone you highly respect. And note this feeling, and they know your name. A long, hot shower. It's my daughter. She's probably still having a shower from yesterday. An open fire in winter. The yes when you've proposed to your girlfriend. Seeing that moment when you see your bride down the aisle. The birth of your child. Uh, These things uh, are like the sillage, the the breath, the the sense, the taste, the smell of the creation of God. And and what it does is it just sort of pauses you. You stop and you go, I see that, I smell that, I feel that, I taste that. And then I stop and give God gratitude because it's an essence of His pure, what what He will be in His pure form when I'm with Him in heaven. I just get that sense of Him and His creation. And it reminds me of who he is. Paul talks about in Colossians, turn your eyes to heaven, look to heaven. And the idea is to look for these moments where I'm reminded of my destination, reminded of my foundation. The inspiration an artist takes is found everywhere, everywhere. Okay, let's move on. The next one. Did I tell you, I forgot to tell you. I've got six Ps. All right? Um, and they're all like the process of creating an artwork. The next one is practice. Now, as a, as a musician, you hear a lot of the idea of, I've got to practice, I've got to practice. And people perceive practice to be the repetition of something in order to get good at it. But that's not actually practice. Practice is actually the exercise of removing your limitations so that you can express yourself without restriction, removing technical inabilities so that your expression is fluent. the idea of uh being a musician studying jazz, and that's real music by the way. Jazz, I had to learn a lot of music, but they didn't teach me song charts. They didn't say, learn this melody. Well, they did say, learn this melody. They didn't say, learn the song, learn the song. They said, we want you to be so proficient on your instrument that whatever you perceive in your head, in your heart, you will have no limitations in order to be able to express that out. That was my biggest desire, to be able to perceive anything, to be able to represent it in drawing or paint. I didn't want the limitation, the muscle... Uh, you know stiffness. I didn't want to have any kind of limitation in my technique to be able to express whatever I felt. So the idea of practice is to eliminate those elements that restrict me. Now, as a, as a daily worshiper, what, are the, what is the element that restricts us, that holds us back from a, few, a pure expression of gratitude to God? Pride. Pride is the thing that holds us back. Practicing praise, prayer, hospitality, service in themselves isn't necessarily, I mean, it's going to be helpful, but it's not a meaningful thing. The idea of practicing these things are actually so that we can remove ourselves from the equation, our pride, why we want to make ourselves feel better about it, so that when we give gratitude to God, we can't help but just have that as a pure expression, I love someone I love on someone not to make me a better person but because I'm in so much of a gratitude inspired by the greatness of God that I want that to be pure the byproduct is of course that it showcases Christ but that's not the motivation the motivation is Christ I just want to praise him through these things practicing the elimination of the things that hold me back it's pride and it's so hard. I mean, seriously, if you want to, like, uh, get a shot of, of diminishing pride, come and preach. It's, I know some people are prideful, but this is the, the most exposing thing, and it's so hard. Um, but the idea of removing self, because God deserves everything, is incredible. Philippians 2.3. I do have scriptures for all of these. And feel free to uh, shake me down for them afterwards if I forget. But do nothing out of selfish ambition. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Practice is perfect? No. Purposeful is the next, next thing that an artist thinks about. Whenever, have you ever seen like a, a fantastic artist and when they, when they just draw a line, You look at it at first and you think, man, what's that going to be? And all of a sudden, there's the shape of someone's ear or there's the shape of the eye. Like just a a simple line, a simple paint stroke, uh, one single note. Then all of a sudden, the whole composition comes together and it just communicates something beautiful. An artist places these things purposefully. There is a reason for why the brushstrokes are there. There's a reason for why the strokes of the pencil are there. They look abstract and look out of place. The notes seem to have no real meaning when they're out of context, but it's until they come together, the image then is complete. Purposeful. As a worshiper, what is the brushstrokes of our life? Words and deeds. The things we say and the things we do are the actual brushstrokes of our day? So I want to ask Are the words, are the actions that you have purposeful or are they flippant? Like when we say and do, are they all intentional? to draw people's attention to Christ? Or are they just sort of haphazard and we respond and react? I mean, you've seen, you've seen children's drawings. Actually, I think sometimes children's drawings, to be honest, have more purpose than what some grown-up uh, drawings are. Generally, we start getting confused and think the more lines we do, then hopefully the stronger the image will be in the end, but it becomes more confusing. I think that the simpler that we make our words and our actions, sometimes the clearer the image will be at the end. But thinking carefully before you place your brushstroke, before you say that word, before you do that action, is this going to draw people's attention to God? Am I in gratitude when I'm doing this? Like when that guy cuts me off in traffic, actually. That's not a good example for me. My wife gets more angry in traffic than I do. I'm, I'm actually really happy to stay behind a truck doing 40 in an 80 zone. I just sit there and I think, I've got, I've got all day. I have this... This is such a distraction. I know it's going to happen. I have this thing called red light worship. I I preached about it a few years ago, quite a few years ago. Do you remember? No one remembers. Red light worship. Oh, yeah, thanks. Red light worship is an opportunity that the, taking the interruptions during the day, right? If you're driving, you get a red light. Most people go, oh, I'm I'm in frustration. I want to get somewhere. But that's the opportunity to stop, pause, and go, I've got nowhere else to be at this point. I can't break the law. And... I'm just going to give gratitude to God, say thank you to God. It's it's a forced pause. Let's make something of it. So I'm more than happy to sit behind, you know, anything. Someone thinks I'm a grandpa driver, but she's right. Words and deeds are the brushstrokes of our life. One Corinthians ten thirty one also says, "Whatever you do, uh, do it in the glory of God, for the glory of God." Colossians three seventeen, of course, in words and deeds. Um, Artwork with a casual approach to line placement obscures the impact of the final piece. And it's the same for the things that we say, the things that we do. Let's have a look at the next one. I get criticized for this quite a lot. In fact, I I do want to apologize uh, to some of you because I'm sure it's happened that an artist is always really present in their work. right, I'll I'll explain the apology in a sec. Um, But they're really present in their work and they become all consumed by the expression, by creating that work. The things they think, the things they do, it's such an intense thing to be actually at the work and making it happen, that even when they're away or apart from it, they're still chugging away and, and resolving and thinking and processing and going through all sorts of stuff. And the apology is... Um I sometimes sometimes would be having a chat with someone and all of a sudden I either walk away or I just start talking about something different um because I'm I'm sometimes processing still the things that I was thinking about the other day and I'm so sorry if that I know it's happened to someone at Elizabeth uh we had a good laugh he had a cry but I had a good laugh uh, and I do want to apologize sometimes I'm just too Uh, present in something else. And I know I should be present when I'm with you. Uh, Sorry, Simone, that's my wife. Because it affects her more than anyone else. An artist is fully present, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's not uncommon to see an exhausted artist. It's not uncommon to see an artist who's burnt out on their work. But um, I am often consumed by the thing that I'm creating, but Again, as a worshiper, as someone who is walking through the process of gratitude to, to God, uh, I, I want to be fully present. I want to give my heart, soul, mind, and strength to God through everything. In fact, isn't it a wasted effort just to sort of get through the day with a bit of a half effort and think, well, I could have done better. I want to be exhausted because I gave gratitude to God with everything not a wasted opportunity. Uh, I I want to to be there and, and pour everything out, heart, soul, mind, and strength, because God deserves everything. Don't you reckon? And I know this is a dangerous thing because this is all too easy. You can actually get so close to your work that you do not see anything in context. It leads to the next one. That's really important. You need to pause. Now, an artist that looks too long at the work can only see the abstract. And the byproduct of getting so uh, close to the work, close to your, your work, close to your situations, close to what's you know, really good or really bad in your life is that you start only seeing the abstract. You don't see the context. An artist will take a step back. Uh, my son's doing composition at uni at the moment. And, and I say to him, look, you've played your music. You've written the music. Put it away. Listen to it tomorrow morning. You need fresh ears. I call it a visual pause. Taking a step back and seeing things in context. Taking a breather. You need to rest. You need to take a moment so that those abstract things become and make more sense. Now, I do. I do uh, five things. Ten things. <laughs> Maths wasn't my. Well, actually, it was my strength. I just did. Doesn't matter. I want to show you there's five pictures up on the board. And uh, these are the five five things. I actually try to ensure that I uh, experience something of the five senses in its full capacity. So I will taste something. I'll find something that tastes extremely good throughout the day. That one thing that I go, oh, my goodness, this is really good. I will touch or feel something of texture. Uh, Joe, when... Uh, when we were over for dinner sometime, I was putting my hands all over his table. He's got this wooden table, and you know you can feel the the grooves of the table. Mm, mm, mm. That's so good. I love, I love the feel of corduroy. You know, I wish they had corduroy underwear. <laughs> can you imagine? Zig, zig. But you're not wearing corduroy. Oh yes, I am. Oh, I think that would be the best. I've got to feel, got to touch, and. As a, uh, I teach art uh, part-time, but one of the first times I ever brought a, student, uh, a bunch of students, Year 9s, to uh, the art gallery. And uh, it's actually how you kind of formulate the do-not-dos by the first excursions you ever have. I don't know if you ever, you know, your first child determines the rules for the second. Anyway... And I had these kids coming in, and I had this fantastic student. She was so sensory. She was just so captivated by stuff. And she goes, oh, Mr. McClure, look, this is amazing. And I see her rubbing her hands all over an oil painting in the art gallery. Now, a bit of pee came out, and uh, I, I looked around. I was in panic. I thought the whole place was going to be shut down, and they were going to run and arrest us. I said, I, said you, I, I don't even remember if I had enough words, but you can't do this. You can't touch the work. You can't touch the work but she was like oh that's so beautiful it's so good and and i did i nearly cried i do have another story but like i'm conscious of time um you got to touch things you got to you got to smell something i'll make sure that i smell something every day something good whether it's me or whether it's someone else or something it's got to be something that i stop and smell the roses the sound of something beautiful uh I didn't tell any guys that Elizabeth this, but I I just recently bought some extremely hi-fi headphones. So I'm listening to high-res music. High-res music is kind of like a sensory, uh, an awareness for your brain where music all of a sudden isn't some sort of car stereo wannabe. It's like it places music in certain places around your head. And you can literally, when you listen to amazing music, you can touch the bongo player. You can't touch the banjo player because it's not a real instrument. You can hear the, the, the bass and the drums, and you hear all of these amazing things around you, and it's like, oh. And I just need one or two songs, you know, um, 30, 40 minutes. I listen to long songs. And it all just resets. Something beautiful, hearing something amazing. There, there are so many amazing sounds around us that God's Blueprint is around. The last thing I also look for is seeing something beautiful. But I also do something else. I deny myself of each of the senses as well. I make sure that I close my eyes and have no sensory or audit. Like I don't have the computer on, I don't read, I don't do anything. I just need to sit and and block out the world. I need to stop and have silence. I need to heighten my senses, heighten my awareness of God by denying certain things. I fast uh, almost every day, uh, to deny myself food. I make sure that I uh, just breathe, that I just, just breathe in slowly and, and, kind of, and meditate on the beautiful things of God. And all of this brings back context. I do it any time during the day. There's no sort of set routine. I run in the mornings. I actually have just when I get back, just a few minutes where I can sit down before the day starts And there's no traffic. I run at five in the morning, so it's like nothing around. It's Adelaide. You know, nothing's open ever. And I can just have silence and just appreciate who God is as a result. So I really exercise my senses to appreciate and gratitude, deny them as well, so that I become more aware of God's presence. And that's context. We need to rest. Find the rest throughout the day. The last thing. I want to talk about is presentation. An artist doesn't an artist doesn't hide their work. It's not created for just themselves. They want to show it. They want someone to hear it. They want to present it so that it's on display. When we're worshiping, when we're giving God gratitude, you can't hide the the whole aspect of the inspiration of God in your life. It's meant to be seen by others. It will be seen by the others. To hide it is 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 a denial of of what God has created you to do. That is to give Him glory. And so that others can see and appreciate and then turn their eyes to Him as well. Or wrestle with it, which is kind of cool for those who need to know Christ. The idea of presenting our work is, is uh, seen in Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The key aspect of this is giving God glory. The key aspect of this. God starts. He's the inspiration. He's the initiator. And all we do is respond in gratitude. This is the process that I I do every day. I think about all of these things. I, I go through every day and look for the source, the provenience, where the origin of my day, my life comes from. I look at the practice. What am I eliminating so that I can truly just express his grat- uh, gratitude to him without restrictions of, of pride? I make sure, and this is, this is my worst when I work on these. these. I'm not perfect, but I want to be purposeful in what I say and do. I want to be present in the things of God. I don't want to miss anything. And I I need to pause, reflect. I do the sensory things just to, so I can see and get context. And I need to present this life in gratitude so that others can see God's glory in me. That's the artist's presentation. It's not for me that I'm doing it for because I'm only in response to what God has done in me. And I want for you, I know there's there's one other aspect that uh, that happens. There's a there's a condition like you've heard of writer's block, artist's block. There's always this sometime at a point where we get where we feel dry, unmotivated, uninspired, and it's it's a resistance where it's hard. It's hard to get up and do something. Um, there's a few things I want to want to uh, mention about this, and that it's actually not meant to be done by yourself. That I think where things fall down for this whole uh, metaphor or analogy or whatever of the artist's life is that an artist's life actually is generally done by themselves in isolation. And the Christian life isn't. It's in community. And yet we feel compelled that we have to exercise this process by ourselves. We're, We're kind of conditioned to think that if you haven't got it together, well, then you just need to step A, B, and C. Now, this is I'm a disciplined person. I, I don't struggle with a lot of this stuff. What I actually do struggle with is being in community. I find that's actually the hardest thing for me. But I know that, that God didn't create me in isolation. He created me with the intention of actually working with others and encouraging others. If you're finding it difficult, if you, like you're like, you really wrestling with this idea that I've got to get up in the morning and jeepers, man, my day is going to be terrible, I know already and I'm, I'm giving you this sort of flowery how I do it and, and giving you the illusion that my days are perfect. I Actually, I don't believe that is the case. I don't want you to believe that that's the case. It's difficult. It's hard. And as a result, I look and work hard to find God in it because it almost seems that everything feels stacked against you. So, so the solution is, why don't we band together? It's simple text. Like, let's practice the presence of God. Eliminate a little bit of pride, just a little bit, and send someone a text saying, I'm struggling. I need to hear your voice. I need you to pray for me. Or, or you know, give them a call or meet up. Uh, do something that helps you be gym partner in someone else's life. This isn't a life left in isolation. You're not meant to walk out of here alone. Do you know what I mean? God is is uh, all in, in all and doesn't want you to be suffering. And you're going to, like, that's not the situation. I'm not talking about hard times or bills or, or difficult people. They're everywhere, and it's going to rain down hard on you. What he wants to do is he wants to have you in a place where you understand that he has your back and he loves you so much, and he's surrounded you with people who are wanting the opportunity to pray with you, to encourage you, we just need to give them permission and allow the spirit to work through us with the aid of others around us and that is worship that is an expression of gratitude don 't do this alone artist block it 's real there's it starts with looking to Christ it starts with talking to and saying, God, I can't, I can't figure this out. I don't know how to do this. And this is my approach. I know by talking to some people at Elizabeth this morning, it's certainly not the way that they think. But there is ways that you can see and, 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 and I guess, work out your system that allows you to walk through that and discover it. And if you don't know what that is, let's pray together and make it happen. Look, I'm going to pray uh, with you. I'm going to ask Heidi to uh, thump out some, some keys. And uh, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask if you are struggling and you need to talk to someone, you want to pray. And I know it's so difficult coming up the front and doing this. Uh, I never did. Uh, I think I did once, but then I waited normally to talk to a friend. Talk to someone you trust, but don't, don't escape. Don't be afraid of revealing your heart to someone before you go tonight. Anyway, let's close our eyes and pray. Father, uh, it's all about you. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the the origin. God, you made a way in our, like while we were still flapping around in our sin and still trying to work it out and just beating our head and hurting ourselves, you made a healing way where your son Jesus came forward and said, I'm going to take care of this, died, rose again, And now is giving us permission to be in your family by accepting your Son by faith. God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your healing. I thank you for who you are, that you're true and just, and that you are, above all else, loving. No matter how hard we dig and how far we dig, all your layers are love. God, I pray that uh, if there's people who are seriously struggling, to live a a purposeful worship life, you know, whatever really that that means. If it's really hard to be in gratitude, God, I pray that we uh, spend time just asking for help for whatever that is. So God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for healing. I thank you for working in people's hearts. And I thank you for doing it in spite of me, that you've done the work. I pray, God, that we just offer our two cents worth and give you everything, everything. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.